When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Red Sox Beat Podcast on the CLNS Media Network. I'm your host, John Zanis. Uh, not a ton going on with the Red Sox right now in the supposed hot stove season, but um, there is a lot going on. Uh, and Some of the big names may finally find homes right now. Uh, number one, Manny Machado is visiting a bunch of teams. And right now, Yankees are his first pick they've met, and it kind of feels like this is destined to go down. So uh, we're going to start there with our guest uh, who... Uh, when he's not slamming sushi rolls at Wegmans on a Friday night is one of the best, best darn beat writers, <laughs> best darn beat writers slash columnists in town. Uh, former colleague of mine, Evan Drellick from NBC Sports Boston. What's going on, buddy? John, what's up, dude? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Evan's been awake for about 35 seconds. So, um, you know, it's going to we're going to get it's going to get good as we go on. But, <laughs> it, we're, it, you know, wait for it. But uh, let's start with Machado here. I mean, uh I mean, if you if you handicap the field, uh, is he going to the Yankees? And uh, personally speaking, like I I need this, I want this badly for you know, like I want to I want to crush this up and snort it. I want him to go to the Yankees so bad, <laughs> uh, just for the stories and the villain and all of that stuff. It's I mean, certainly bad for bad for the Red Sox future, but great for everything that kind of comes with it. If the Yankees don't sign him or Harper, and Machado seems like the one that they would actually sign, it just adds up to a question of what were they planning to do when they stayed under the luxury tax last year. This has always been kind of what they were angling for. And it would be great for the rivalry and all of that, but I think Machado, you know, he's looking at Chicago with the White Sox. He belongs in... He doesn't belong in the White Sox. He belongs on the Cubs if he's going to go to Chicago. And the Cubs aren't interested, at least as far as we know. You know, he, he's a spotlight type of player. He'd be, it'd be good for the game if he ends up uh, on the Yankees. The Phillies are the other team that I don't know how to handicap. You know, he, he's visiting with them as well. They have a ton of money, and people have talked for a long time about them being willing to spend the money too. So, you know, New York or Philly, one of the two. Makes sense for him. Straight, straight cash grab though here, you think for him? Like the, it's best offer, best offer is where he goes or you, you, you get a sense that there's a, like a lean one way or the other. Well, he grew up a Yankees fan. Right. That's, you know, I mean, that's what he's saying. The Yankees are top of his list, but, um, if someone else goes, I mean, where are you seeing the numbers going to? I mean, are, are we, are we where we thought we would be with this, like, prized free agent class of 2019 everyone was talking about did we are we are they going to get what they thought they were going to get or some anywhere close to it two years ago we're talking harper getting half a billion you know i mean when he hit the market where do you see this landing you know Uh, 300 if it doesn't hit 300 it's got to get close to 300 because he's so much machado and harper both they're so young compared to other free agents you don't get guys who hit free agency who are this talented this early? And you could say, well, is Harper really who we thought he was? All right, fine. Separate discussion. He's not. Maybe he's not 300. Maybe he's 250 for Harper. Whatever. But 
you know, you go back to A-Rod signing for 252 or whatever it was back in 2000, 2001 with the Rangers, you haven't really seen baseball salaries climb up and you've seen the, the, the owner revenues climb up. So from an industry perspective, and I know that's what fans love to hear about, but like at some point, the players got to start making that leap forward a little bit. And instead of it being two, two fifty for the top tier, 300 has to be it. And Stanton got it, assuming that contract plays out and it, and it should, but you haven't seen guys play in that area yet. And, and if it's not these two, well, who's it going to be? If it's not Machado, who's like an A-Rod type of talent, who's this young as the game continually skews younger, I, I have to think this is the moment where 300 becomes the new bar because yeah. I don't think Stanton really did that. Um, but you know, you asked earlier, well, is this a straight money grab? Would he, would he, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those questions like, all right, how much money is it worth leaving on the table to go to Philly, let's say, instead of going to New York where I want to be, you know, I mean, like what, what, what would it sure, take for right. you, John Zanis? Is, is it, is 5 million, There's- uh, you know, what is, what is what is your favorite city worth to you? Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean for me, millions of dollars. That's not even a question. I, like, I, there's there's only like four places in America I would live. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, so, I mean, I'm not kidding. There's places I wouldn't go. But, um, so yeah, so okay, fine. They get their money. You mentioned the luxury tax. I do want to get into that. Uh, you know, we were the, the all of baseball. Uh, freaked out, you know, like the, this last year, all we heard was like, it was like the, the, you know, the, the coming zombie apocalypse, you know, like we got to stay under the luxury tax, you know, we're all going to be devoured. Um, and the, you know, the, the, the bill comes due, uh, and the Red Sox who, you know, blew everybody away with their $240 million payroll and, you know, all this talk around the deadline, we can't, we can't spend, we can't go a nickel over. It's going to kill us $11 million or just yeah. almost 12 million. Are you kidding me? Like it was, we freaked out over that. That's like, that's like Panda's lunch money. Like 12, $12 million. That was what the entire freak out was over. Why is everybody all of a sudden, you know, this, why was this such a thing? If that's all that really it came down to. Well, you know, for those who followed at NBC Sports Boston, I mean, I, it, it's a point I was making, you know, like, like this really isn't that harmful. You can make the argument that, that the, the straight dollar cost to the owners isn't as bad as when, when you lose your draft pick goes down 10 picks. Right. All right. Um, that hurts not only that pick, but it hurts your draft ability overall because the way the draft system is set up right now. Uh, you have a pool of money and that's, that's determined based on where you pick. So if you drop 10 picks, you have less money to spread around, get creative, all that kind of stuff. So it hurts you in the draft too, but not to the point that you're like, uh, not prohibitively. It's gonna, right. right. It's not going to, if it's going to put you over the top, you do it. Um, and I, it does feel like people are starting to wake up to that fact a little bit because this, this was the first year in a long time you did have a decline in what teams are playing, right. paying players right. overall. And, and you're, Look, I, the way I look at it these days, I, I, I used the word industry before, but I, I do see at least on Twitter people starting to kind of wake up to like these larger forces that are at play here. You know, the way the game is structured with this luxury, you know, people talk about penalties. Well, you can't get penalized. But then when you start to look at the penalty and you start to kind of realize how basically in the tank a, a lot of our kind of preconceived notions are about this stuff right. for ownership is – um, it's, it's eye opening a little yeah. bit, you know, I mean, how much money 
is John Henry and Tom Warner and, and the Red Sox making? You know, they could probably doctor the books or cook the books to say, well, we lose money on the actual operation. Yeah. Okay. What about Nesson? You know, yeah. what about it, it, it? It's just impossible to believe that this is uh, some way of money losing operation. So, you know, for these teams to hold 239 and 246 up, uh, uh, you know, above their heads and go, we're not crossing it. Uh, why? All right, Evan, sit tight one second. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Robinhood, uh, one of our sponsors. Robinhood is an investing app. lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs options, and cryptos, all commission-free. Robinhood strives to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a totally not intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. It's simple and intuitive with a clear design and data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Robinhood, here's the offer for you guys. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Uh, All you have to do is sign up redsoxbeat.robinhood.com. That's redsoxbeat.robinhood.com. All right, let's get back to the spending. Again, um, we talked about uh, a lot of teams uh, this year and spending went down and trying to keep from going over the luxury tax threshold. Uh, You assume, uh, rightfully so, that Machado and Harper are going to get theirs, but do you see a potential cool down after that where the market might settle? And you could see what we saw last year where J.D. Drew signs really late, you know, just before spring training uh, and just kind of waiting for homes. Could you could you see that repeating itself this offseason? Well, Kimbrell might be an example of that. Right. And, you know, when the Red Sox won, I was talking to GM at the uh, GM meetings in November, so like really quick after the World Series. And, and it's a natural conversation that comes up. Are, are people going to start copying what the Red Sox are doing? Because every year it, it's a follower industry, right? Like pe- teams start doing what other teams are doing. So would somebody look at the Red Sox and go, huh, you know, maybe uh, all this what is supposedly inefficient spending – uh, it isn't the worst thing, you know, maybe like you could actually look at it as a market inefficiency where, where, where teams are just averse to spending and the team that actually goes after it, uh, might be better positioned. I mean, historically it doesn't show that, but, um, you're seeing teams this year so far. I mean, look at Machado. We don't get the sense that every team in baseball wants him. Right. And yet every team in baseball should want him. Even if you're a rebuilding team. And your window's not now. Uh, you're signing the guy probably for 10 years or eight years or nine years, something like that. Okay. Uh, and he's really young. Like, so maybe 27 is when it gets good. And, and I'm not saying he'd want to go there, but when you're in a, in a place where, where there's just not that many teams that are even going after him, I know some teams probably would say they legitimately can't afford a $300 yeah. million dollar player. All right. Fine. But, you know, this kind of state of rebuilding and cost effectiveness and, it's just, it adds up to, I, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to a manager yesterday and, uh, it's, th- this is boring. Yeah. I mean, baseball's off season is boring. Yeah, it's right crazy. Now, and I, I, and I can't really do much to entertain you with it other than complain no, about the fact that yeah. it is boring. I want, I want Crawford and Gonzalez signing at like 1158 and us running to get back on the air, you know, like, um, or whatever it was, you know, well, you know, it was, you know, like 1 a.m. It was, uh, you know, there's, yeah, there's no, I want, you know, I want Kirk Schilling, you know, Kirk Schilling over Thanksgiving dinner. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing going on. There's no action. You mentioned Kimbrell. That's the other one is, I mean, did the Red Sox decide we don't want him at that cost or we just don't want to spend that much money on a closer or we don't want to spend that much money on 
this closer at this age, given what we see is maybe the beginning of a decline? Like, what are the factors behind it? I'm sure it's a combination of all of them. And, uh, you know, kind of part two, is this any chance he's, you know, as as we see the market settle, if there is no market for Kimbrell, which there very well may not be, not at what he's looking for, not even, I don't think he gets anywhere near what he's looking for, um, a chance that he ends up, you know, coming back. All right, so with Kimbrell, on Twitter, I was just getting annoyed by this, but everything on Twitter annoys me. <laughs> um, so the right argument to make for why you don't sign Kimbrell is because, you know, he's he's getting older. Yeah. You can argue he was declining. He was dealing with a lot emotionally this past year. I right, think there's right. a reason to believe he'd still be, you know, he's still an incredible pitcher, you know, and, and even in the playoffs, uh, he didn't blow a save in the end. I mean, right. It, Once know. he got a, when he had the, the, the pitch tipping situation, but if you kind of cleared that, he was still pretty. Uh, all right. Well, let me, let me, let me go on a pitch tipping rant real quick. Okay. Here, okay. Because, because that, because Cora mentioned that and then, you know, us media types, we all latch onto it. <laughs> oh, they, well, they discovered he was, he was tipping. Right. But in, in talking to the Astro, you know, a lot of times a team can figure out a guy is tipping. Okay. Like, like you, the Red Sox figure out your own guy is tipping. That doesn't mean the other team figured it out. And talking to the Astros, they didn't know Kimbrell was tipping. They were laying off of the curveball because he couldn't throw a effing strike. For strike yeah. Can I curse on this thing? Yeah, I curse a lot. Yeah, yeah, you can curse I, more. Right. So, you know, the whole tipping thing, like, yeah, I'm sure he was tipping, and it's yeah. great they figured that out. But the the bigger problem was the guy couldn't throw couldn't a strike. Couldn't throw strikes, it's, yeah. it's that simple. He lost his command. Yeah. And that's always been his problem. Yeah, he gets Yankee, you know, like that. You can tell it almost two pitches into an outing, you know. He, he starts to yank those fastballs across the plate outside to the right-handed hitter, and it's like, oh, here we go, you know. And then yeah. he doesn't that first curveball. He can't get it where he wants it to go, and then the rest the rest of the outing is a disaster. He, he's never getting it back. Um, exactly. So, so, so the reason for them to not sign him is is like is is that argument of like this is just. You know, we're paying for past performance. We're paying for a guy who only wants saves, who doesn't want to come in, you know, four times a year when the game is on the line truly in the eighth inning because right. that means he's going to, you know. Because rolls, because rolls, because. Right. Well, but, but you know, the, the rolls are getting destroyed. Like the roll <laughs> argument, the roll argument has an is legitimate in the regular season because it lets you structure a bullpen, right? right. Like there, there is some value to it, but you still have to have some willingness to occasionally Come in for three outs. Yeah, outside. go get that guy out. Who cares what right. time it is? I've, I mean, I could, I could spend the next forty on that alone, but fine. Continue. All right. So uh, that that would be the the reason not to sign him. But you start looking at a few things. All right. The first thing Dombrowski did when he got to the Red Sox is he got Kimbrel before sale, before price. Right, right, all right. All right. I, 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 I do bullpens good. You know. I'm going to go yes. against the best closer and, you know, because I'm not, nobody's going to tell me I, I fucked up this bullpen like every other one. So yeah, I mean, that right. was number one. And he gave so, away, it gave away, I mean, again, he gave away a lot in currency, maybe not an actual value given what the prospects did, but yeah, he gave, you know, whatever, but he got him. Yeah, that, the trade, the trade was costly no matter, it, yes. it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Assets. What those prospects yeah, do. they were they assets. assets. They could have exactly. been used for something else. You don't track their success. He gave up a lot. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so so you take that into consideration. You take into consideration that at the deadline this year, the Red Sox wanted Kelvin Herrera. They're looking for a top-notch reliever to add. They that yeah, they didn't need it, right? Kelly right. stepped up and right. all this, but you can't look at what they did in October and go, 
oh, this bullpen is good to go. All right. So now you've lost Kelly. You didn't get Herrera at the deadline. Right. Thornburg is, is a question mark. Carson Smith is, uh, RIP. He hates you. Who, which one? No, Carson Smith hates the Red Sox. He's not, he's not. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's very viable that he hates me. Right. Um, so the bullpen, like to sit back and go, well, you know, Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, maybe these guys can be closers, but, yeah. um, it doesn't, it doesn't fit at all with everything that's come before it. It was with kind of their, right. they wanted to add previously. Dombrowski's first thing when he got here was a closer. Um, when you look at a 108 win team, like he's said already with the signing of Evaldi, the rotation is set. You look at the position players, second base is really the only question mark as long as everybody else is healthy. Um, so, so if you let Kimbrell go and you've already let Kelly go, you're basically saying, all right, the bullpen is going to be lesser going into this year. Uh, and, and it's hard to work around that. Uh, that reality. No, like, unless you're waiting for, to, unless you're waiting, it's almost like a Patriots approach to their off season when it comes to certainly on the bullpen. Like, you know, yes, I'm worse for not having these guys. Uh, and you're, 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 you're but I don't think they're worth what they're going to get. So I'm going to let them walk and I'm going to try to clean it up with the dregs and hope that I hit there. And the Patriots do that a lot. You know, that's, I can, I'm not paying this guy number one wide receiver money. Cause I think he's a two and, I'm setting the market here, and if he goes over it, great, bye. That's it. I've set my hard limit. But, yes, it will make them discernibly worse. And there's nothing coming up the pipeline either in terms – it feels like every team's got like seven guys in AAA who throw 98 miles an hour, and the Red Sox don't have that. Yeah, and and even then it just goes back to the reason you went after Kimbrell was because apparently, if, if what you said at the time was true uh, – uh, the Red Sox, you know, that, that you believe that this was incredibly important and giving Dombrowski's history with bullpens and the state of the bullpen outside of Kimbrell and you put it all together. Like, I just don't see any way they go into the year with this, with, with yes. Barnes and Brazier. And, and they're pretty clear that they, they're going to get a reliever. I think they looked at the market. They're waiting it out right They'll now. They'll wait it out. I mean, they, they, yep. they, they've told me that. I mean, that's, 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 and they basically said it too. Right. Um, maybe they've even said it explicitly, uh, that, and I don't remember exactly the wording, but, um, that's the plan. And, and maybe they feel there's enough high leverage arms out there that one of these guys, the way free agency is going, ends up with a subpar market. And quite possibly that could be Kimbrel because they were telling agents, at least at one point, that we are waiting on Kimbrel. Yep. Um, I imagine that maybe now they're not saying that quite as much, but, um, there, the possibility of a Kimbrel Red Sox reunion should not be ruled out just because on day one of the winter meetings, how convenient Dave Dombrowski says, you know, we don't want to make right. a big expenditure on a closer. Well, of course you'll re-sign him and then we'll say, well, you know, we found a way to do it. It felt like, by the way, with Kimbrel, he wasn't making two million dollars last year. Yeah, he it was thirteen million dollars exactly. So now he's looking for fifteen. I mean, you would pay or eighteen or whatever, whatever it is. You know? Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. He wants to set the whatever Chapman got plus some. But yeah, I mean, if you get him, could you see like a four million dollar raise for a shorter term deal? You know, like I could see something like that, like two and thirty five. Welcome back. If he can't get his five or his six, you know, uh, elsewhere. Uh, I mean, I don't know or. I don't know what it would take, uh, but I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me either. Well, the problem is for him, he's not getting younger. He's a velocity guy. It's not like he goes back out on the market. You know, let's say, I mean, if he signed a one year huge AAV, but then it, 
I don't know if that helps the Red Sox with their worry, which is the luxury tax, which we already established in this podcast, shouldn't be their freaking worry. Yeah, it's right. so <laughs> it's like this whole circular thing. So why it, do the dance at all? If 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 you're so worried about save the luxury, money, they want to save money. But why I does mean, anybody do anything to save money? <laughs> but that's the point: is if there's no if 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 you're not going over this threshold, like you're not getting Kimberl at any value. So why why pretend to wait? That makes no sense to me. Like it doesn't matter what it is, whatever it is, is more than you would be willing to spend if you're actually worried. Worried about the luxury tax because the cheapest you're getting him is at the same you paid last year, which is a lot of money that you don't currently have allocated to spend on the bullpen. So it's, I mean, no matter what you're doing, you're going over to bring him back. Well, there's no, there's well, no world you, in which you're going you over back. 246. You're talking about the highest one. I don't know if it's the highest one, but no matter what, if Kimbrell is in, play, oh, they're in it. They're, there's no question they're in it. Yes. It's just a matter of whether they're, um, whether they exceed that third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it was 197, 217, 237 last year. And this right. year, uh, I guess I would make it 206, 226, 246 yeah. is the highest one this yeah. year. I was... So that, that's the only question. They're, they're, they're definitely going to be in the 230s. Yeah. It's just, do they go, do they go up above it again? Um, yeah. you know, I, I think they can afford it. Yeah. So Kimball's there. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. The rest of the off season is what it is. You said Kelly left Avaldi, probably a necessary overpay. You could call it a value deal. If he gives you roughly what you got last year, great. The difference between Avaldi and Kimbrell, like this is important to highlight, like it's alternatives. Yeah. You know, with Kimbrell, he does one thing. He pitches one inning every so often. And Evaldi. there's other high leverage arms out there, and they're yeah. more, you know, and Navaldi represents something that's just simply harder to find and more in demand, which yeah. is dominant starting pitching and that, you know, that swingman ability and all that. Exactly so, right, and that's and, why and, they went after him. And I guess theoretically, you know, the 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 failsafe here is Navaldi, if he's a washout as a starter, just becomes your closer, uh, or you know, you could theoretically transition him to that role um, down the road, or let's just say he is a yeah. starter, but you realize there's greater value there, you have that flexibility. Um, to say uh, you'd be of greater value to me here than starting. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I could see that as well. Today's podcast is being presented by Roman. It's really important because guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable just throwing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. And the same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash socks, fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys do not tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy. So take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash socks. Okay, last thing I want to talk about with you is uh, one of your favorite topics um, is uh, David Price, um, who's, you know, how is David? Have you been keeping up with him in the offseason? Uh, you know, we haven't had lunch lately, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I come to appreciate David. 
He's a character, man. Yeah. You gotta appreciate characters. No, it's great. And so I think, I mean, the, obviously, you know, we had, uh, yeah, his post game commentary is legendary, uh, you know, uh, with the, uh, you know, the, I hold, I hold all the cards now. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. And uh, on a scale of one to, you know, a jillion on insufferability, how, uh, what's he going to be like to cover in spring training, you think, coming off of this? And I know recently he was on a podcast. He kind of walked that back a little, but still it's, you know, he's coming in at a different. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't even hear what he said. Oh no, he's, he's oh. more of the same. I the fans expected and this and that and you know. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's 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 the thing that we're going to remember. The you know, <laughs> David Price holds the cards over people like you. Or well, yeah. <laughs> or... Well, I mean, that that comment was silly because it was never. But but like, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He, he's temperamental. Um and, you know, bottom line, he pitched well. Like, like he, you know, he killed that narrative of the guy can't pitch in the playoffs, which I always had trouble understanding. I, I saw the results, but it was just like, is he not a big game pitcher? Is it against the Yankees? What is it about the Yankees uniform that scares him? Like, like trying to, when you started to kind of logically piece it together, there were things that didn't add up to the point where it's just like, all right, at some point you figure a good pitcher is going to be good in the playoffs. Um, and, and that happened, you know, so. Yep. So, I think I don't. I don't think he's going to all of a sudden be changed. I think he's. It's you know he'll be. You'll have moments with him where he'll be kind of that, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, cocky or uh, yeah, dick off yeah. the cuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, or and, and he'll be. And he'll have moments where he'll say he'll say exactly, you know, the quote unquote right thing. I mean, yeah. the thing I always kind of like and go back to is like, uh, you know, not in every setting, but but I, I do appreciate. When it at least appears like someone is saying what they really, what's really on their mind. Right? So like, no question about it. Yeah. Because that was what was on his mind. That was, that was the release there, you know, which it just right. runs, it runs contrary to every other thing that he said up to that point in the season, which is, I don't listen to the noise and fans have a right to, uh, you know, to, to, to be down on me. I'm paid to do a yeah, job he, and I haven't been doing himself, it. But like, yeah. And then, and then, and then he wins you know. and he says, I'm going to crush all of you, you know, so. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's all, uh, <laughs> we, we kind of, you know, we, at a certain point with price, it's like, you, it's not that it's not news, but like you kind of, yeah. Get the way it's going to go with it. Yeah, them. right. You know that you know the you know? rhythm. So the you know you said he's he's crushed the playoff narrative. The narrative I'm going to crush is the card holding. Um, how long for real? How long does he think he holds these cards? Uh, I mean, if he starts out two and four with a five point three ERA, uh, he's not holding any cards anymore. You know, I mean this 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 won't. Yeah. This won't last. I mean, the card, I guess the card he holds is, oh, he's not a big game pitcher, but I mean, he's still a guy making 30 plus million who just opted into a deal that not necessarily everybody loves the notion that he's going to be back in here for the next, is it four more? Four more? Yeah. Four more. Mm -hmm. Um, and if he, you know, if he starts to decline or he doesn't maintain it or he goes back to kind of average, you know, 16 and 13 with a four ERA, you know, uh, you know, and get bombed by the Yankees, David Price, he's going to catch the same amount of flack that he, he's always caught. I don't think anything has gone away for him. 
Except for the, uh, he can't pitch in the playoffs. That's the, he's got that forever, you know? So no, he's not, got the ring, right? I mean, like, you know, even if the next, yeah. you know, if he, if he, if he flames out, I mean, but he's not gonna, not, he's not gonna avoid scrutiny is what I'm saying. He's not gonna, you know, every, right. every time he lays an egg, it's not gonna be like, well, he did pitch oh, well last year. No, like people are gonna be, what the, you know, because it's again, what have you well, done for me lately? That's why the comment was silly in the first place. Exactly. Because it was never about, and, and he knew this and he would always say it. He said, his line that he always uses is, if you don't like it, pitch better. Yeah. So he knows, and he is, seems to always have known that all along, the reaction and the coverage is, it lines up with what you do. That's it. I, like it, 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 it couldn't be simpler. You pitch well, they like you. Uh, you don't, they don't. Um, and that doesn't change after a World Series, you know? I mean, it just, I think for legacy purposes though, you know, he, he now had, he, no question. There's no taking that away from him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. He's, uh, he's, you know how we look back on his fit in Boston at the end of it all. I mean, I you know I made the argument, and uh, I should resurface that that like he's perfect for Boston because he's an interesting character who shows it on his sleeve, and he's also good. Oh my like, god! He senses how boring. He's, would, he's, yeah. How so boring would this team be without Price? In Boston. Yeah. Right. Right. How do you succeed in Boston if you're sensitive? Well, David Price just did it, right? He did. He did. But also, it just gives you something to talk about. I, I, David Price being in Boston, again, I don't know if it's necessarily good for him, but uh, it's it's been good for us. You know, I mean, it, uh, it's, it's... That's the thing I always wondered is, you know, does he does he feed off of it to some degree? You know, yeah. it's like, is he miserable? Does he like to be miserable? And that's where it's just armchair psychology. Like, you have no idea. No idea. And, and really no way to, to know. Right. But yeah, maybe it fuels him. Who knows? But I mean, for, you know, for media types, for us and in our business and being, you know, doing what we do, it's, it gives you something to talk about every day. So I, I think it's going to, I think it's been fascinating. I think it's going to continue to be fascinating. I think, I think you guys are going to, when you go, <laughs> when you go to Fort Myers, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to eat fair amounts of, uh, you know, you know what, uh, from time to time, but it's just kind of part of the David Price experience. Yeah. I, you know, I, that's why I was saying, like, uh, I don't know if it's always news with it. Like, I hit a point with the price coverage where I was just like, come on, guys, like, like enough, right? Yeah. It, you know, it, it, it does become something that I guess maybe more with, uh, some of our talk radio brethren and, you know, yep. I do some of that myself, but like, uh, at a certain point, I was kind of unsurprised and bored by the whole price thing. Yeah. It was, it, was it became circular. Yeah. But you're right. Now, now spring time spring. is a flat circle. Right. It was the yeah. same thing. Uh, Evan, thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. John, thanks, dude. <laughs>